You're listening to the Volwalk Sports Talk Show, presented by Rocky Top Sports Nation. What is up, Vol Nation? Thank you so much for joining in on our very first podcast, the Vol Walk Sports Talk, presented by Rocky Top Sports Nation. I'm Adam alongside Trey and Maddie here, and we are super excited to start this journey with you all. Uh, we are going to start off by recapping what has been a crazy offseason, some coaching changes. Uh, we've had a uh, a record of transfers out. Luckily, we've had some pretty solid transfers come in. Uh, Hopefully they can make a a better difference this year than the three and seven team last year. Um, And we're going to discuss some of that. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Dre, Maddie, what are you all thinking um, as far as this off season? What have been some positives, some negatives? What are some things that you all think uh, has, has been pretty noteworthy uh, this off season? Um, positive, I would say that hearing how happy the guys are to actually be there, like you heard in different interviews with different players say that they had to treat it almost like the military when the former staff was here and that they didn't really help them outside of football. They were just kind of on their own after that. And it's nice to see more of a family aspect and everyone really like be excited to play and put on the orange for once. I hadn't seen that in so long. Negative wise, I don't really have much. Um, just that we did lose a lot through the transfer portal, but we also gained a lot through the transfer portal. It gives and it takes away. So I'm pretty excited to see our new guys. So building on what, what Maddie said there, you know, we did lose a lot to the transfer portal, and that was kind of the national focus is just how much talent um, kind of left Tennessee to go elsewhere. Um, you know, you, you named a few there with Henry T. and uh, Greg Emerson, Daryl Middleton, Eric Gray, Key Lawrence. The list is long, but what a lot of people don't realize and what myself, I didn't even realize until, you know, after the fact, and I've started previewing the season here is, how much talent we've actually gained through the transfer portal as well that hasn't really gotten that uh, national attention. And I think they're really going to play a big role in uh, what we see in Newland Stadium this year. And I think the fans have a lot to be excited about. Not getting our hopes up too much there, but, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much been the main thing I've seen, the main, you know, focus. Yeah, and, and we have to we have to think about the transfers. And, and you know, I know – it's not just players on the field, and, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the new coaching staff and, and the, the old coaching staff, um, some today, and, and hit on it throughout the year. Um, but you think about all of those transfers um, that transferred out. We did just finish three and seven. I mean, sometimes talent can outdo coaching. Um, I know coaching was a big part of it. It was very conservative. Um, there didn't seem to be much of a utilization of, of players that should and we thought would be utilized. I mean, um, we saw what Hyatt did, you know, when he got the chance. And then, you know, you're watching two or three drives and he's off the field and you're like, what's going on? Um, 
but at the same time, you know, a lot of these guys came in with, with big stocks. Some were surprised they chose Tennessee and, you know, they had, they had faults and, and, and finishing three and seven. I mean, if, I think if you, you know, gave us the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and any of us coached them, um, I mean, we know Tom Brady really coaches them, but I mean, you know, these guys are, are, are good enough. You know, Bama's going to win games. They're going to win a national championship because of who their coach is, but they're going to win games because they have talent. They have depth. Um, they have some of the best high school players. So, um, but I agree with the, the, in, the transfers in. I think, I think some of those can make a big impact, and we'll probably hit on some of those um, here in a minute. So first thing is let's look at some season and MVP predictions. So um, let's start off with you, Maddie. What, what record do you have us – you, you don't have to go through game and score and stuff like that. You can talk about the games you think are toss-ups, maybe that will win and upset and lose. Um, but what is your initial gut reaction um, on Tennessee's record this year? Okay, if we're going to be honest, <laughs> and I know this sounds like a crazy Tennessee fan, they do this every year. I'm not. I'm not out here saying we're going 15 and 0. Do not let do not let anyone tell you that. If they do, they're wrong. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. But I, I do think that we'll win eight games. I think we'll be eight and four. Um, best case scenario, if all the breaks go our way and we win all of our swing games, we could go 10 and two. But I personally, I think that we'll go eight and four. The floor is seven and five for me. Um, big swing games, Ole Miss, obviously. It's going to be a shootout. Take the over. Take the over. Um, Florida. I, I said this on the Megapod the other night, and I will stand by it. We're going to beat Florida. I, I do not get the Emory Jones hype. He has never once proven to be anything other than a runner. He's a run-first guy, and I haven't even seen him throw a ball. I've, I've not seen him throw one pass in this offseason, and I've stalked Florida's Twitter. So I, th I think that we'll be sitting pretty good there because you got to think, Milton, I, I think we all have to agree Milton's going to be our quarterback. Y'all say so? No doubt. Yeah. So you got to think, Emory Jones is a guy who hasn't had any real experience. Joe Milton started two years at Michigan. And while he may not have produced the best results there, you got to think he played for Jim Harbaugh, who, who has done well under Harbaugh since he's been a coach at Michigan. Nobody. So I, I'll stand by the fact that I think we're going to beat Florida. Um, Mizzou, I, th I think we're going to beat Mizzou because if last year's three and seven team beat up on them pretty heavily, kind of says something about what their program's in. So we always kinda, we're always kind of their dad. We're going to beat the heck out of Vanderbilt. We do that every year. Um, Georgia. Some, somebody the other night said that they think that we could actually win that game. I, I just don't agree with that. I don't see that happening. I, I think the SEC championship is going to be Georgia and Alabama. All right, so we got eight and four, ten and two if it swings our way, seven five to the floor. What do you think, Trey? Where are you heading? So just – I want to go back to – might bring you down to earth a little bit there, Maddie. Do you not remember all the backup quarterbacks we've played that came out and looked like, you know, number one overall draft 
prospects against us. It's just something in that Florida-Tennessee rivalry. No matter who they put out there, they're just lights out. So maybe, but I'm not predicting that. I got us at uh, I got us at six and six, which you know you might say I'm playing it safe a little bit, but um, I got four toss-up games here. I got Pitt as a toss-up game that I have us losing. Missouri is a toss-up that I have us losing. Ole Miss as a toss-up that I have us losing. And then Kentucky as a toss-up that I have us winning. So those are three games there that I say are toss-ups that I have us losing. So if either of those go, you know, the other way, I could definitely see us getting all the way up to, like she said, you know, eight and four if we win all the toss-up games. But um, I truly think that, you know, when it comes to the games we should win, I think that this, this coaching staff will um, – will have us ready to go, unlike former coaching staffs. I truly believe that Heupel um, wants to be here and wants to coach these kids. And and I just, you know, I really don't see us going through the same thing that we went through with uh, Pruitt, you know, that uh, similar to the Georgia State thing there. So I know we're going to get into previewing Bowling Green a little bit later, but um, I got us winning that one uh, in Tennessee Tech, South Carolina, um, Kentucky, South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Those are six wins. All right. Uh, I'm I'm torn because, you know, part of me likes to look first at, at the guaranteed wins. And, and as a ball fan, Georgia State, um, we can't think anything as as a, a sure win. But, um, you know, I look at Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, Vanderbilt, South Carolina as we should win those games. I mean, there, there should be no excuse unless Vanderbilt or South Carolina just come out and show something crazy and start beating everybody. I don't see that happening. Um, we should win those five games. Then you look at Pitt, you look at Kentucky, you look at Missouri, you look at Ole Miss. And I think, I don't think we win Ole Miss. Um, I think they're a little more structured. I think they're a year ahead of us. I think we want to be kind of what they were. I mean, I watched some of their games last year just to see. And I mean, even when they lost, it was, I mean, it was exciting. And I think that's what this fan base wants. I mean, win or lose, you don't want to sit there and see run up the gut, run up the gut, third and 10, and Garantano's throwing, you know, a, a three-yard route, um, you know, on the sidelines where there's no way the guy's going to get up the field unless he just – you know, completely, you know, makes a, a 360 spin. And I mean, we want to see excitement. We want to see kind of what Ole Miss did. I don't see us winning that game. Um, the pit game is going to be big. I think once we get to the pit game, hopefully going in, you know, they're 2-0. I think that's going to be a big game changer. If we come out and, and play well, some of those swing games might happen for me. Um but, you know, I, I definitely think that um, – I think we can beat Missouri and I think we can beat Kentucky. Um, but I also, with the excitement of the offense, we're going to beat people under Heupel that we shouldn't. But until our defense gets better, we're going to lose to people. There's going to be games like the Ole Miss game where we're going to lose 58-55 or something like that um, because our defense can't handle it. If our defense overperforms – that's a big thing. So um, I'm going to stick us right now at seven and five. I think we win the four we should. I think we beat Pitt to get to five. And then I think either a Kentucky or um, 
you know, a Kentucky or like a uh, Missouri, we kind of upset and that puts us at seven. So I'll go with seven and five. So speaking with, with some of these guys, um, what are you guys thinking on offensive? Let's start with offense. Let's look at a player that we think is going to be the most important player. They may not have – I mean, I guess if, if we want to, we can talk about who will have the best stats, but who is going to be that one player that you think is going to be essential for the balls this year and you could really see them making a difference um, on the offensive end? What do you all think? Um, obviously, everyone's going to say quarterback, but I'm going to be a wild card here, and I'm going to repeat on Evans. I think he's going to bring something really, really good that we haven't seen since Alvin Kamara was here. And from everything that I've read and heard from inside and outside of the program, everyone's really high on him. And it was a really big pickup for us to get. So I'm, I'm going with Tion Evans. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick. I was gonna. Uh, I was really torn between um, him, actually, Jalen Hyatt, and who I'm gonna pick. Who's the entire offensive line? If you look at last season, they were picked to be one of the best in the SEC and even like a top ten line in the country. And they, we all know, they didn't perform that way. So I really truly believe that if they did perform, you know, up to par. Uh, how everyone expected them to. It could have been the difference in one, one or two of those games last year. So I think this season it's it's going to be very detrimental to how this offense performs um, and how, you know, and how we do, you know, what reflects on the scoreboard, how, how your O-line plays. So if, if uh, they can elevate those guys to their potential, I think that's going to be your offensive MVP this season. Good choices. I, and I had I had both of those down. And I'm kind of torn between between two. Part of me wants to say, um, you know, I'm torn between the two Jalen's. I want to say Jalen Wright, even though he's third on there, I think his speed can be a difference maker. I, I love Evans. I love Small. I think those guys can really, um, you know, be interchangeable. I mean, you have a guy who's who, you know, is very quick on the outside. You have a guy who's better in the passing game. Um, you know, looking at Evans, that picture of his legs, I mean, just massive. I mean, that guy's going to be hard to run down. And it's not like he's a slow back. He's not a Jerome Bettis, you know, get you the three yards you need. I mean, he can get out to the outside. Part of me wants to say right because I think he can be a difference. I just don't know if he'll get enough carries. Um, and it's not like a Kamara where he's going to be underutilized. There's just – there's a lot of mouths to feed. And, and you know, we saw that with – with T. Hodge announcing that he's, you know, transferring, um, you know, he was around fourth or fifth, depending on how much they value Beckwith. Um, but I'm going to go with Hyatt. I think um, this offense is just tailor-made for him. Um, we saw what he did last year. Um, and also, I want to come in here with a Jack Luttrell, uh, White Lightning, um, just – tweeted out a, a bunch of stuff that he's just happy to be a ball and stuff. Um, got an update from VolQuest. So um, it's just said a new commit, but he's been committed for a while. So hubs might need to correct that. Um, but uh, I think we saw what he did last year in, in moments and times where, where he was utilized correctly. And I think that was one of my biggest beefs with the offense. 
didn't talk that we ran Garantano out there no matter what for a long time. But up there at the top was was Haya. I mean, I felt like the guy was anytime he got in there, he was beating people. And and I don't care if you're fresh, if you're beating people off the field, you deserve to play. And and I think this offense is made for him. I think uh I think Hypel's gonna get him going. I think he'll be a big difference maker. Um he's the one guy, you know, maybe outside of of you know, Cade Mays that I could really see making it to the next level um, in the future and making a difference. I mean, he's, he's built like a tank. He's, I mean, super quick. I mean, if the dude can just go up and, I mean, he can do a lot of things. And, and I think now that hopefully we have a, a staff that will utilize him, we have a quarterback who can get him the ball, um, I think he'll be a big difference maker. So I'll go with Jalen Hyatt. Um, so let's shift to the defensive end. We, we've seen a lot of, of big players transfer out on the defensive end. Um, some difference makers, uh, Henry T. Uh, we mentioned, you know, Middleton, Emerson, guys like that. Um, we saw some guys, you know, go to the NFL. You know, Bryce Thompson um, went undrafted but went there. So um, who are some guys or, you know, that you see making a difference? And, and who's the one person you think, uh, is going to be critical to something we're really going to need this year if we're going to compete, which is which is at least a decent defense to keep your, you in the game. So who do you all have as defensive MVP? Um, for me, I, I was stuck between my guy Byron Young. I, I've heard nothing but good things about him. He's, he's going to be a stud. But I will go with the one that I was the most excited for us to land, Jamon Mitchell. I, I cannot stand to see another slant across the middle. Please, all I'm asking for you, Juan, please cover a slant, which I know based on watching his film at Texas, he looked a lot better than Henry T. And Henry T is out here, first team, all SEC predicted. And supposedly, I don't know how true this is, but supposedly he's been running with the twos at Bama. So I don't know, but my message for you, Henry T, is when you play us, you still have to cover slants there. And I hope we exploit you. But, yeah, I, I'll say Jawan Mitchell, you're my guy. I'm riding with you. I'm expecting really big things. So, yeah, I'm really excited about Jawan Mitchell, too. I've, I've read nothing but, you know, what a leader he is. And, you know, he's just very vocal uh, in the practice room and, and in the locker – I mean, on the practice field and in the locker room. Um, and that, you know, his play, he pretty much just – backs everything up with his play out there. So, but I went with a guy who showed some flashes last year, uh, specifically early in the season, Tyler Barron. Um, I think if, if he can build on what he started to show at the beginning of last year and, and this coaching staff is able to, you know, continue to develop him, I think that, um, you know, the Vols could get what we've really been lacking for some time is a true pass rusher, like an every down pass rusher and you can line him up in multiple spots. Um, that's another thing. We still don't know what kind of base defense that Tim Banks is going to want to run. Um, I assume it's going to be more of a 3-4, 3-3-5 with the, the lack of depth at the linebacker position. Um, but, you know, even still, Barron's going to be lined up on the line of scrimmage at the linebacker position. Uh, typically weak side is what I've been seeing him running at. But I think if he can really be a every down pass rusher. I think he's going to get home a lot and make some big plays. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I, I think those are two excellent choices. Um, 
you know, I think Mitchell, um, I agree with Maddie. I think he was the biggest um, impact. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, Milton is there. We want, you know, Milton to be, <laughs> you know, what Milton should be. But, uh, you know, like I said, with, with the defensive end, we've, we've got to make sure on the defensive side of the ball, we, we have a leader. And, and Henry T was that guy, um, you know, minus the, the cover and a slant. Um, which never seemed to get better for him or or, or anybody. Um, but uh, I think Mitchell is is he's been a great vocal leader, um, and, and I, I definitely think Barron is is you know he showed flashes. I, I think a guy like Byron Young. Um, so I wanted to say Elante Taylor, and I think I'm going to stick with him. Um, and, and part of me wanted to go kind of like Trey did with the offensive line. I want to go with the defensive line because I think I think we can all agree Garner is an absolute menace of a coach, can recruit, can really develop players. Um, I think he's going to be huge for our D-line. I'm just not quite sure we have the guys right now that we need on the D-line. I hope that he can really develop them and get them to compete. Um, we're going to need a lot of, of, of like Trey said, pass rush. Um, but – one of the things that irritated me is, is we heard all about how Pruitt was this defensive whisperer, how he was working with the defensive backs. He was, you know, he was, he was right there, like letting Jim Chaney kind of run the offense, which then by the end of it, we heard that Pruitt was micromanaging everything. And, you know, I don't think a defensive mind like him, who's never been a head coach has anything to say to Jim Chaney about offense. I mean, let's be real. You can be a CEO of a business and not tell your, you know, your employees, you know, this is how you make French fries at McDonald's. And they're like, yes, I've done this for 10 years. You sat in your office and you not been here. I have been here. And I think that's kind of like how it was with Pruitt. And I think that rubbed people the wrong way. We saw coaches leave like after the first game. I mean, it was crazy, but the defensive backs did not improve um, at all. And, and I think that was frustrating. And I think Taylor um, has been that vocal leader. I think we've seen the talent since he's been recruited. You know, we wondered, will he be a receiver? Will he be a defensive back when he came out? Uh, he, he's got all the tools. Um, he just needs somebody to develop him, and, and hopefully we can get that out of him because um, we're going to need, you know, if, if we're going to put up points, people are going to either run the ball down our throats and try not to give us, you know, a chance to score or they're going to go right back with us and say, well, if you can throw on us, stop us because you have no secondary. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll, you know, that'll change for, for Taylor this year. Um, I apologize to special teams. I, I don't know if we're going to pick a special teams MVP. I'd probably go with the long snapper, but, um, but for time and, and stuff, we'll, we'll move on um, and look at the Bowling Green game. Um, and, uh, just a couple stats here. And if you all want to throw anything that you've seen out there, just a little preview, um, that I've done some research on Bowling Green. So last year, um, Bowling Green was dead last in the NCAA in rushing defense. Um, they allowed 326 yards, the only team to allow 300 yards or more on the ground. Uh, I think the next one was like 40 behind them they were like 282 or something like that um their offense scored 11 points a game um their their leading rusher um 
their leading rusher actually um, had only 295 yards on the ground. Um, their other big-time rusher that they thought was going to be good transferred to Northwestern. Uh, they lost multiple O-line starters, receivers. They did gain a wide receiver transfer from Washington and a tight end from Michigan State. Their quarterback last year, their leading, I say leading quarterback, had one touchdown and six interceptions. And I believe they only played five games last year um, because of COVID, if I I'm, if I'm, was looking at it right. Uh, one touchdown and six interceptions. Um, he's their returner starter, unless the quarterback transferred from Syracuse, who has never taken a snap uh, in college, starts. So you're either going to get a guy who one to six on touchdowns and interceptions or a guy who's never taken a snap. Uh, their defense, three of their four top tacklers transferred. Their best edge defender is gone. Um, they do have a middle linebacker that led them in tackling. They said he was pretty good. Um, Bowling Green threw for 712 yards in five games with one touchdown through the air and seven picks. So another quarterback must have gotten put in and decided to throw to the other team. Um, and this is the last big stat, and I'll let you all kind of talk about what you hope you see. Going back to 2019, um, in, in six of the last eight games, the quarterback has thrown for under 40%, completed less than 40% of his passes, um, in the Scott Leffler era, their coach, their offense has thrown 10 touchdown passes with 32 interceptions. 10 touchdown passes in the last 15 games and 32 interceptions. Uh, the 2018 team, before he got there, had 29 touchdown passes to 13 picks. So we're seeing a team that likes to run but can't. We see a team who cannot stop the run at all and wasn't really great through the air on defense but when you're allowing 326 yards rushing who is going to throw I mean let's be real um so we've all picked Bowling Green to win excuse me just kidding Bowling Green is a win that week we did not pick Bowling Green to win so don't tune out um what are some things that you all want to see happen and what are some things that um you hope that we can kind of show that will motivate us um, for the next couple of weeks going into Pitt and, and uh, Florida in a few weeks? Um, things I want to see happen. Number one, I would like to see all four of our running backs. I want to see D Beck with possibly in a goal line package type thing. I think with his height and his size and the way he just is a head down hard runner, kind of like a Derek Henry type back. Would really like to see that. I want to see some ride on the field. And, of course, I want to see our top two backs that we all know and love. They're going to be good. Um, defensively, I, as I said earlier, please show me that you can cover the middle of the field. Please. That, that's all I need to see. Um, I'd, I'd also like to see some strong safety play. Um, I, I want to see some good Danico Slaughter moments. He – is a guy who I really bought into last year. And I'm still kind of mad at the former staff for throwing him straight into the fire and having him go up against Shaw Smith first game. And then you, you look at the rest of the season, he didn't really play there at all the rest of the season. What's up with that? So I think he's going to be really, really key for us as well. 
and I'd like to see how he's grown. Um, also, special teams is something that we haven't really talked about. Chase McGrath, he's he's a pretty decent kicker, and I'd really like to see some 30, 40 plus yard field goals. But also, I feel like Coach Heifel's the type of person who, if it's like even like a fourth and five, he, he's going to go for it. And I like that. I, I'd like to see us go for it on some fourth downs, maybe show some just different types of sets offensively and just see what works the best. And hopefully, stat-wise, I want, I'd like to see over 400 yards of offense. Yeah, score, prediction. Uh, score prediction. Um, say we win fifty-five to like three. They're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be nice. So I think it's. I mean, again, crossing my fingers here, but I, on paper, it's a really good matchup for Tennessee, as you were saying. Um, you know, they're they're not a very good offensive team at all. They want to run the ball, but they just can't. And they don't put up a lot of points. So, really, that kind of plays into our strength. Uh, well, not really our strength, but just where we are right now uh, on the defensive side, still trying to find our identity and, uh, you know, um, just re really rebuilding um, from the co coaching staff up on that side of the ball with all the transfers and whatnot. Um, so, that being said, I want to see us just take care of business. And I know that might sound cliche, but I truly think if, if we just show up to play and, you know, don't make any boneheaded mistakes, um, limit the amount of penalties and, you know, hopefully get off the field with no injuries at the end of the day. Uh, those are two things mainly that I want to see. Um, but also it kind of plays back to who I wanted or who I said was going to be our MVP. I want to see our O-line and how much they've improved over the offseason. That's the number one thing I'm going to be looking for. Can we move the ball? on an inferior team? Can we just pound pound the rock when we want to? Can we hit them over the top when we want to? Can we do what we want with an inferior team? Um, because that's, you know, that goes back to being able to beat these teams on this schedule that we all think are should be wins. Um, can't, you know, it, it's going to play back into that. Can our offense continue to move the ball and sustain these drives? Um, so, and then I want to see all the quarterbacks. Um, I think Milton's going to be the starter. I think he deserves it. Uh, he definitely looks the part, um, you know, and – but at the same time, I want to see what those other guys have to offer. Obviously, we already know uh, Harrison Bailey. He's a baller. Um, but really, at the end of the day, everything I've seen on, on that guy is just that he hasn't really taken that next step. He hasn't shown that he's he, he's been able to progress. So, you know – he might be a gamer. Uh, we all know JG wasn't. Maybe Bailey's the opposite of that. And maybe that's just what he needs to show this coaching staff, especially given the opportunity if Milton goes down or he's not playing the best. You know, we're going to need that guy who you can just put in there and he's going to play lots out for you if need be. So what was your what, – what's your score prediction? I got Tennessee 45-13. to 45-13. All right. I, I've got similar there. I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go 48-10. Um, I think it, it, it's going to be a blowout. I, I think if they're going to get a late kind of just cheap um, touchdown, I mean, I know they're bad. I mean, the hope is they don't score on your first team. And honestly, 
probably shouldn't score on your second team. But if we're rolling out there, you know, if we're putting Harrison Bailey as the third string or even Hooker as the third string and we get to a blowout, I mean, they're not going to be throwing the ball much because, you know, you, you don't want to – I mean, I would love to put, you know, a double, you know, 50-burger on somebody and, and throw up 100 points. But, you know, if it's a blowout, we're, you know, second half, we're not going to be doing that. Um, you know, you're going to see hopefully D-Beck with get some carries, see what he looks like. Um, you know, that that tall guy coming at you with that speed and power. Um, I mean, we'll see what he has. Um, give Jalen Wright some runs, see what he can do in the backfield there. Um, but I, I think, like both of you all said, I, we need to correct some things, but we don't need to be in a battle. We do not need to be going into halftime anywhere within two or three scores. I mean, if you're up 21 nothing at halftime, you can live with it, but you want more. You're like, you know, you got to put your foot on the pedal and you got to go. If we're in this, you know, 17-13 battle or something like that, um, you know, we're, we're going to start having flashbacks um, to that game. So um, I think you're going to see us um, – I think you're going to see us go for it early. I think, um, you know, part of me wants to say Heifel is going to be conservative and not show anything till Pitt. I don't think he's going to show anything crazy, but let's be real. And I saw somebody on Twitter that said, I don't think, you know, as bad as Bowling Green's defense is, I, um, we're going to run the ball on them. And I highly doubt we're going to get any of the fast paced uh, throwing down the field things. We've got a brand new coach and a lot of new players. It would shock me if we just ran the ball every single time because we're trying to get better as a team. This is their first big action. We've been during a pandemic. We're going to throw the ball. And let's be real. If Jalen Hyatt is lined up against somebody and he beats them down the field, what is that showing to anybody as far as philosophy or play? Everybody knows Hyatt can do it. He did it, was it Sertain or somebody at, at Bama that he just flat out beat? I mean, he started in the slot, cut out to the left, looked like he may just kind of go to the sidelines, and he cut up straight up the field. And Bama's secondary had no idea. He was beat. And luckily, for some reason, it was a miracle that the throw was there. I mean, I expected it to go at least – you know, 20 yards over his head. Um, but it, it was there. And, you know, we're going to throw the ball. The hope is that by halftime, you just say, let's get these backs in. Let's get these linemen some play, you know, some playing time. Let's just run the ball up the gut and let's just be, and they'll beat them that way. They should. I mean, you have Harrison Bailey in there with, with D Beck with it running back and you give, you know, Walker Merrill, who may get more time than we think, put him in at receiver, put in some of these, you know, Callaway, Holiday, Tillman, you know, some guys that may not play as much over, you know, probably Hyatt, Peyton, Jones, those guys. I mean, they'll get reps if we're going four or five wide receiver. But, um, you know, I, I'll go I'll go 40, 48-10. I think 48-10 is hopefully we're looking at a 50-burger, but I think we're going to be close and, and not quite get it. I'm, the fans might boo if we get to 48 and we don't put up the 50-burger. Of all fans, if we're up 48 to something, you know, if it's 48-45, yeah, but, um, if, you know, if, if we're doing well. Um, so we all we all pick some blowouts. Hopefully we can, we can do that. So um, now we're going to move to kind of towards the end. We've got three things left for you all, something that we have decided um, – Maddie brought it up, and, and I think it's a great idea, is, is we want to 
just kind of highlight um, highlight a community guy of the week and, and some someone who's been involved um, within the community may or may not have a huge impact on the field. Um, and we've given our MVPs for that, but just talking about somebody who does a lot off the field. And um, this week we've we've chosen uh, Tennessee defensive lineman Matthew Butler. Um, a few months back, he was named to the um, Werfel watch list, um, and that is basically the award given out every year to uh, the NCAA's Community Servant of the Year. Um, they kind of cut it down throughout the year until you get to a final uh, few people to choose from. Um, you know, on the field, I mean, he, he's been a big, big part of Tennessee the last two years, 88 tackles, six for loss, four and a half sacks, three pass breakups, a forced fumble. Um, but off the field, um, he, he's done some great things. He's He's been on the SEC academic honor roll. Um, he's you know, every year, four years. Um, I think he was right at or close to, a, you know, around a 4.0 GPA. Um, but he he actually went on a, um, a trip to Rwanda, um, working on developing that and, and making a difference with social change. He's somebody who um, off the field is, is making an impact within the Knoxville community, but also in different parts um, in his hometown and, um, you know, Rwanda. Um, he's from Raleigh. He, he's done a lot of things for, for schools and, and uh, helped out the North Carolina area there. Um, he's added a bunch of awards. He's one of the SEC's top scholar athletes. He's got a postgraduate scholarship. He's a nominee for the H. Boyd McWhorter Student Athlete Scholarship, um, which is given to the top male and female uh, you know, athletes as, as far as uh, you know, scholarly. Um, so he's done a lot of a lot of great things for his community. Um, do you all want to comment any on on you know what you've read or what you've heard about Matthew Butler? Because um, it, it seems his teammates love him as well. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say if anybody wants to read the article that UT Sports wrote about him and the whole watch list, what the trophy does, and everything he's done in his time at Tennessee, go to utsports.com. It's there. Um, one thing I love about our university is the Vol Leaders Academy that they do every year. Butler's been a part of it. I know Alante Taylor's been a part of it. It's just, it's great. I love seeing them go not only in our local communities, but overseas to places that maybe children can't read or like, it's just a poverty country. They're actually making a difference everywhere. And doing that while wearing the power tee on your chest it just it really does just mean more you guys touched on a lot of uh you know Matthew Butler off the field and you know I'm just gonna add I think he's I think he's gonna show up to play and, and play in a big way for the Vols on the D-line this year and he's kind of been uh in the offseason at least kind of the the you know the spoken leader of that group and he's just been given a lot of praise to all those guys in the room and and, uh, you know, just continuing to improve and, and talking about what an improvement that Rodney Garner's been. And that's just something you really want to see out of your veteran guys, uh, you know, being great um, role models off the field as well as on the field. So shout out to Matthew Butler for sure. All right, so we'll do this weekly. So week one, Matthew Butler. And, and this 
on one side, it was an easy pick because of what he's done, but um, it was a hard pick. And as Maddie said, with these ball leaders, we have a lot of people. Um, we will highlight them um, throughout this year. Um, if you all have any anybody that, that you've personally seen, I know we um, on Twitter, we have a lot of, of community Knoxville and the surrounding areas. If, if, if you've seen a ball athlete that's really made a difference in their community, um, you know, send us a message, hit us up on Twitter. Um, we'd love to talk about what they do. We love to talk ball sports. We've all been lifelong ball fans, but um, it's, it's, it's different for somebody that can make a difference off the field um, and, and be that community leader. Um, so now we completely shift gears and we get into our probably one of our favorite parts <laughs> before we pick the games. Um, after talking about someone who's made a difference in the community, we're now going to go on to someone who has done the complete opposite um, on Twitter. Now, this has nothing to do with ball players. We're not going to sit here and, and bash any ball players during this segment. We might earlier, but we'll try to calm down. Just please don't throw a three-yard pass on third and ten, Joe Milton. Please, and we will not bash you if you throw it all. If you throw it over his head, it's okay. I don't want it. Fourth and seven does nothing for us, okay? Um, but we're going to highlight our, what we like to call the Negaball tweet of the week. Um, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this one off with, with a tweet by um, a good Twitter person to follow if, if you love negativity, um, which is one of our favorite negative accounts in Balls Picks. Um, this is this is the it was down to two. One he, he talked about the lights and gimmicks and how we're getting all these lights and um, how that's the only way we can recruit. Um, buddy, we just went three and seven. We've got to try something. Okay. We're not gonna hand out McDonald's bags with cash out to people like your savior of last year, Jeremy Pruitt did. We've got to try something. These are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Lights, if you don't like them, that's fine. Okay, stay home. Don't go to Bristol Motor Speedway's lights. Don't go to Dollywood and see lights. Stay at home. Okay, but if recruits want to see that, players, that's fine. But the one I want to highlight is this. It says um, somebody saw a picture of a player that's last name was Likely, and it had the number four under it. And the caption, I think it was our, one of our, our favorite people as part of the nation, Down and Dirty. We're going to give him a shout out. Um, but he put on there, how many games – will uh would jeremy pruitt win this year if he was coach and then you saw the picture likely four balls pick balls picks have this to say funny that's exactly how many wins heichel is getting projected i want you to think about that projected pruitt beat the brakes off of mizzou in 2020 mizzou is favored over ut in 2021 so there's two things that stick out to me one is uh, Heupel is getting projected. We've not played that game yet. We've not, no one in the SEC has taken a snap yet. We know nothing about this season. Second thing is favored. Yeah, we're going to talk about games. We're going to go through and favor all these games. We've talked about our schedule. We, none of us know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. So we're literally going off of something that's already happened, beat the brakes off of Missouri to something that's projected. The guy loves Pruitt. Okay, you can love Pruitt. Don't put down Heupel. Heupel has done nothing yet. He's recruited. He's 
you know, he, he's been a family guy. We've talked about that. Players look like they're having fun. Now, they may go 0-10 this year, but we don't know that. Why are we going to be negative about something that's projected? Okay, it's just a bunch of us people, a bunch of people. You know, ESPN can make their predict predictions. SEC Nation can make their predictions. Tim Tebow and, you know, all of them can sit there and make their predictions predictions they don't know one how any team's going to look and two even if they've seen him play you don't know who's going to show up don't base results or compare results off of projections if we if we lose that game then then you have a battle you can go back and you can prove that you can show that don't be on there breaking down somebody who has yet to step on Neyland Stadium in a meaningful game yet we don't know what's going to happen so calm your horses Jeremy Pruitt's burner account and you know We'll be all right this year. Let's let's be a ball fan and not a mega ball fan. So, uh, Maddie, what what is your tweet? I'm sure it's going to be something completely different than balls picks. It's got to oh, be. Yeah, it is actually. Um, I'm just kidding. Congrats, balls picks. You suck. <laughs> Quite honestly, you suck. Um, so a guy that I actually really do like to read, um, David Ubbin. He writes for the Athletic. I'm sure all of y'all are very well aware of who that is. He recently went and interviewed six. It was either six or nine, I think six, uh, high school coaches in the Nashville area that run pretty powerful programs. And of course, they were all, you know, names redacted. You don't, you don't want to be a coach and like bash somebody else. But one thing that one coach said that really stuck out to me was how the former staff, Coach Pruitt especially, he wanted nothing to do with the kids in the state. And he told one of those coaches straight up, you cannot win with kids from Tennessee. I mean, I, I'll agree with that. I'll say you can't win with just kids from Tennessee, but you have to recruit well in state too because we have some great kids that come out of Tennessee. Trey Smith, for example, where'd he come from? The University School of Jackson. Shout out West Tennessee, baby. But my guy Balls Pick sees that article and then decides to say, sources say the reason that Heifel staff is trying to connect with local Tennessee high football first of all who are your sources besides the people inside of your head and second of all jeremy please calm down like it's too much at this point then he keeps going and says if i am wrong and tennessee goes eight and four i will delete this twitter account i swear there's no freaking way though boy if we don't do anything right this year please just go eight and I want to see this guy just wiped off the face of the earth. He also said that it does include a bowl game win in this total. So if we win seven games and then go to a bowl and win that, we we did our job. That's that's Charles' job this year, boys. Win win eight games so he can be gone forever. Because I promise, if you if you just get bored and want to see complete garbage for fun, which I enjoy doing. Uh, yeah, go and follow at Balls Picks on Twitter. Pretty, pretty interesting type stuff. Pretty, pretty fun. All right, Trey, are you gonna complete the trifecta, or are you gonna go with with someone else? I got somebody else. I kind of got a, uh, a double whammy here of of Negavals. Um, So it's an actual whole account. the The Twitter at is at Hypel Fire, and his name is Fire Josh Hypel. We have yet to play a game with Josh Hypel as our head coach. Tweets out every single day. 
Fire Josh Hopwell, day 210. Fire Josh <laughs> Hopwell, day 211. Fire Josh Hopwell, day 212. Um, so then a guy actually retweeted that, um, TK Boyce, and said, uh, it's got a gif on it and says, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. And I think we see a lot of that with a lot of negative people on, on Twitter, whether it, it's Tennessee sports or just anything, just that negative mindset. They want to be the first to say, you know, when things do burn to the ground, like, look, I told you this was, you know, we're Tennessee fans. Uh, I, you should have known this was going to happen. So I think everyone's just trying to be ahead of the curve and, uh, just kind of be the first to say I told you so if it doesn't go go the way that we all hope it does. Um, and I don't know. It's just let's give the guy a chance, you know, and I know we say that every time we get a new coach, but it's not fair like you were uh, all these are projections view on a coach off of the projections of people who don't know how they're going to perform. So let's just, you know, wait till this coming Thursday and, and take it one game at a time and judge him off that. Yeah, uh, I agree. That's, that's a good one. Um, fire a guy who's yet to even coach a game. Um, yeah. You could say, I don't think he's going to be right. I don't think he's going to be good, but you know, I'm, you know, we're going to hoist a, a trophy at the end of the year, um, no matter what we do. And hopefully that trophy, you know, a lot of us want it to be a national championship. I'm going to put that at number two. Number one, best trophy is going to be the get balls picks off of Twitter. And uh, the, you know, the the most realistic is going to be the, the champions of life trophy. Um, you know, it's, um, I remember I was at that game at Bristol and was holding all that stuff up and, and they put the memes of, of the life picture and I was down there and, and uh, you know, in that moment we thought everything was going well, but um, I don't know what we became champions of, but it wasn't football and it wasn't life. So it was cheating. Right. honestly cheating. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can get that as being gimmicky and cheesy. I don't think lights for, th for thousands of, 102,000 people in the stadium is, is going to make a difference. Bama did it. It was really cool. Um, Bama's won multiple national champions. Kind of want to tweet at Ball's Picks and be like, go after Nick Saban. I mean, <laughs> the guy the guy does not need anything. The guy could literally be in a coma and wake up and still have a top three recruiting class. The guy's still going to get to, to you know, he's going to get his natties no matter what. He didn't need that. It's not a gimmick. It's for kids. It's it's for fans. It's a better environment. It makes people want to come. It makes people watch it on TV and say, whoa, that's really cool. Um, all right, so we're going to close out our show here with um, our final weekly segment, which is our college football pick'em. Um, right here. Maddie has got – and as she's moving, I, I think it, it's only appropriate that, that you show Vols picks your jersey. Um, some fans oh, yeah. might be wondering. They oh, might yeah. be wondering. Um, so I obviously, if you know me and you follow my Twitter, I'm the biggest New England Patriots fan in the world. I'm not a Dolphins fan, but I'm a fan of our head coach. So I got his rookie jersey, balls picks somewhere. If you're out there and you're watching, which I'm sure you are because you've blocked us all. <laughs> I hope you really, really like to see this because Jeremy, I'm sorry. I, I think that we're going to win a lot more than three games this year. 
let's let's hope so for for many different reasons but maddie's got our our awesome week one board here that we're going to pick the games we're going to total it up and go throughout the year and uh we'll see which uh three of us get the best record um so what we're going to do each week is we're going to do all the sec games and uh, we're just going to pick the games. We're not going to go against the spread. We're not going to go what our scores are. We're just going to kind of, you know, we, we don't want to get into too much math. We are ball fans. So we have not had to count very high since the Tyler Bray days um, when it comes to counting scores, unless it's the opponent, but we stop counting after it's double digit. Um, so uh, we're going to do all the SEC games each week. And then we're going to pick some of the uh, more kind of prime time or, or national games. Um, so this week we've got 20 games. We've got 14, I believe 14 SEC and six. Um, so we'll start with um, the obvious one, um, which is which is the Bowling Green Tennessee game, and we've all already picked Tennessee. So hopefully, um, with that being the first game played in this, hopefully we all start off one and zero. If not, we might not have a week two podcast. So um, rest in peace. Ball walk, sports talk, if that happens. All right, so we're just going to go down the list and start with the games that happen first. Uh, so our first game is uh, Louisiana Monroe against Kentucky. Kentucky is 29-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with Kentucky. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I had to write that down. Yeah, I, I take them with Kentucky and – I'd say probably take the over on that one. Yeah. All right. The next game is, is a two o'clock game that day. This is a barn burner. Rice against Arkansas. I know we're all going to be tuned into that. Arkansas is 19 and a half point favorites. Um, I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to take Arkansas against Rice. I too am going with Orky. Uh, they, I mean, they beat us last year, but that doesn't say much. But I, I think Sam Pittman's doing a, a better job than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I got to go with Arkansas as well. I just, I don't see them losing to Rice by, by any means. All right, moving on to the 3:30 ABC game, the Chick Fil A kickoff, Alabama against Miami. Uh, Alabama is 18 and a half point favorites. I do think this will be close at start, but I think the depth and talent of Alabama pushes it. I will take Bama and I will take the over just barely, probably, probably like a 42 21 victory or something like that. But I will take Alabama. I agree 100%. Bama over for sure. I'm going to take Alabama, but this reminded me of, of uh, something I saw on Twitter. It's a uh, Alabama diss track put out there by the at is at the coach coop definitely gotta go check that out it's pretty hilarious but i'm still <laughs> taking alabama shout out to andy bowser i know you i know you saw it and you thought it was hilarious i'm waiting on you to do a tennessee win please yes just just stop stop trying to slide in my dms man don't want to <laughs> talk to you all right um our next one is louisiana tech against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 23-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, it's going to be hard not to go against the air raid, so I'm going to go with Mississippi State, and I'm going to say that they they cover by a lot. I'm going to say they win by at least 30-plus. Uh, I'm, too, going with Mississippi State, but I'm not going to bet an over or under there because we all thought that last year the air raid was going to be unstoppable, and it blew up in their face. So, hopefully, I, I love Coach Leach. I hope he gets it together here, too. 
you know, I'm not the biggest LaTeX follower. I remember a, a couple years ago they had a pretty decent season. So when I was looking up the spreads for these games, I expected that spread to be a little closer. I don't know what's going on down there, but, uh, yeah, I think Mississippi State's um, definitely going to lay it on them in week one there. I'm going, going with them. All right, our uh, next game is a little bit probably the closest one we've had as far as spread. Central Michigan against Missouri. Uh, Missouri is 13 and a half point favorites. Um, I think Missouri will struggle, but I think Missouri, I, I think Missouri will pull it out, but I might go with the under on that one, but I'm gonna go with Missouri maybe by about eight or nine. Uh, I, I'm also going with Missouri. Uh... I really want to see what they what they're looking like this year because they're always I don't know if y'all agree with this or not every single year I feel like they're just the most unknown team like you really never know what you're going to get and it changes with them game by game throughout the year too so um, I'm really anxious to see what we're going to be working with this year yeah um last year you kind of saw Missouri two tails of the season um, they, they finally started finding their offense a little bit when they changed quarterbacks, which our former coach would have done something similar. But um, I, I don't look for him to – I don't look for Missouri to really build on what we saw on the offensive side of, uh, for them last year. I think they'll kind of plateau a little bit. And a lot of – there I've seen quite a few uh, accounts, you know, hopping them up. And uh, even ESPN, they're getting some airtime on there with Basilak. Um Will he be a top five SEC quarterback this season? I'm not sure, but I do think they'll they'll edge out Central um, Michigan. All right. So right now, I think we've yet to pick against each other. I don't know if that's going to change. Yeah. I think it will eventually change. I don't know if it's going to change right here though. Um, Akron against Auburn. Auburn is a whopping 37. Uh, point favorites, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Auburn in a blowout. I'm taking Auburn, but I'm also gonna take the under on that one. I think that's just an insanely high spread. Yeah, I'll take Auburn. I think they're gonna struggle this season. Um, Bo Nix, also another SEC quarterback that gets a lot of hype. That I just don't know that he'll ever live up to it. Um, he had some flashes as a freshman, but. Uh, again, I think he's just one of those quarterbacks that's kind of plateaued. All right. Um, so the next one, I'm, I'm not seeing a spread. There may not be one for this, um, but we have Eastern Illinois against South Carolina. Um, Eastern Illinois just had a barn burner loss to Indiana State, 26-21. So they have played a game. So they've got some They've got some game action coming into this. Unfortunately, uh, I, I think they're a pretty bad team. I think South Carolina is. Um, but I think I think uh, Little Beamer gets the job done here and, and starts off 1-0. So I'm going to go with uh, South Carolina. But as Corso would say, closer than the experts think. I, I too agree with that. I think South Carolina, but I also think both teams are walking garbage. So we'll see. <laughs> Not so – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw in the court show there. No, South Carolina, um, I don't really know what to expect out of them. I don't expect them to be very good, but, 
you know, I don't know what to expect from that coaching staff when they're playing inferior opponents. Uh, I'll take them to win just because Eastern Illinois should not be anywhere in the same stratosphere as a program like South Carolina. Um, but definitely early on in that game, I'll be keeping an eye on it. And then in the words of South Carolina great Lou Holtz, yeah, he, uh, I've got a, a nice story that he, he came to the school that I, I, used to teach at um, to, to speak years ago. And, and some of the older teachers told me that um, he was coming to speak for a uh, Christian event. And uh, he was so drunk before he got there, they had to sober him up in the showers. Um, so um, Lou was a little, uh, had a little bit too much Jack that day, I think. So, um, but uh, love listening to Lou Holtz, just have no idea what he's saying. Um, him and Mark May together were some good times. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Uh, now we're moving to maybe the best game uh, of the week, the primetime ABC game, the Dukes Mayo Classic. We've got Georgia, number five, Georgia against Clemson. Clemson is a favorite by a field goal. Um, this one's going to be super tight. Clemson's got a new quarterback. They don't have their, their savior. I cannot pronounce the guy's last name. Maybe one of you guys can. Um, it's not Lawrence. Um, we will not talk about Trevor Lawrence on this podcast because of, of what happened with all of that. And we get reminded every time there's a Clemson game that we could have had him um, and Higgins and Eddie and, and Rogers. But um, we're going, I'm, I've been going back and forth. It might even change before Saturday, but we're locking it in here. Um, I'm going to go with Georgia. I want to say, um, Obviously, they cover because they're the underdogs. I'm going to say Georgia um, by 10. I'm going to say Georgia by 10. Well, I am going to say the exact opposite of you, DJ. You, I, I want to say it's pronounced Ujulele. I think that's probably as close as any of us are going to get to it. It's better than I could have done. <laughs> I, I really liked watching him play against Notre Dame last year. He showed me a lot. And Dabo's a great coach. Georgia, I, I don't know what's going on there culture-wise, but since they're having some issues with people like Turnage, we got Turnage over here. We saw Eric Eric Gilbert's here, then he's there, then he's just – you don't know what's going on with the kid. I hope he works it all out. Great, great guy, talented guy. But they've also had quite a few injuries lately, so that's everything that I've read, that they've had just random guys going down and it's people that they need. So I think that they are one injury away from being pretty middle of the pack, and that injury would be J.P. Daniels, obviously. So I'm going to go Clemson, and I'm taking Clemson by 10. Yeah, I think that game's going to boil down to uh, to coaching, and I think we've – I think I've, in my opinion, I've seen enough of uh, Kirby Smart to not trust him in the big games, especially early on in the season. Um, you know, Dabo's kind of been there, done that. Kirby's been on that big stage as well. I just think Davos had more experience. And, um, you know, even though he's got a, a new quarterback, freshman quarterback coming in, um, well, I guess he's a sophomore, right? Okay, sophomore well, quarterback. First, yeah. I don't know. First year he's starting. And um, I'm still going to take Clemson. I, I think they win a close one. I'll say by four. Hey, there's our first change, and honestly, I hope that's my first loss because I don't want Georgia to win. Don't like Clemson either, but you know it's 
it's the lesser of two evils, you know. All right, so the next one we have is uh, Florida Atlantic against Florida. Um, as much as I want to make Florida go 0-12, uh, Florida, by the way, is 24.5 point favorites, uh, 24 and a half there. So I'm going to say Florida wins, and um, I'm going to say they don't cover. Um, I'm going to say that they they win. Um, I don't know if it'll be super close to the end. I just think that FAU stands or stays around just just long enough to make it interesting. Um, but Florida gets like a late interception, pick six or something to push a 14-point lead to a 21 to kind of put it comfortable. So uh, I'll go with Florida, but I'll take the under. I agree with you, Adam. I'm taking Florida under. I'm going to be watching that game pretty intently so I can see kind of where they're at and really, really focus on the quarterbacking because that's, that's what it's going to come down to this year. Let us know if he throws the ball. If we see him throw, take a picture so we have proof. Oh, I will. I'll let Marco Wilson launches a shoot of the stratosphere, too. <laughs> what do you think, Trey? Uh, Florida's obviously going to win this game. Uh, FAU's, they've been pretty bad ever since uh, Lane's left. But um, I don't think that Florida's going to cover, um, even though Florida Atlantic is notoriously bad at covering the spread. Um I'll take Florida and the under as well. I'm with I'm with you guys. I don't see a lot of points in that game. I just kind of, you know, especially with Emory Jones, still don't know what you're going to get out of him. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with the under there as well. All right. Our next game is Kent State against number six, Texas A&M. Uh, the Aggies are 29-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, pretty simple for me. I'm going to go Texas A&M. I'm going to say that they win by 40-plus. Yeah, I'm going A&M with the over as well. Yep, Aggies. All right. Uh, this one is interesting for me because it's kind of the local school. Being from Bristol, we've got ETSU right up the road um, against Vanderbilt. The closest school to me is probably King, where I graduated from. I tell everybody we've been undefeated for like almost 100 years because we haven't had a football team that long. Um, but we were in the papers for – defeating somebody like 200 to nothing. So um, way back when, you know, they just didn't know what the sport was, I guess. Um, I follow ETSU a lot. Um, Fulmer really has is, is kind of helped build that program back when it first started. Um, getting the football uh, program up and going again um, was kind of their set-in um, athletic director a little bit, kind of, I don't know what his title was. Um, ETSU is just not there. Um, Vandy is not either, but Vandy is an SEC team. Vandy is, is you know, they've got a little bit more of a better team than, than ETSU. Um, so I don't see a spread on here. Um, I guess it was not worth Vegas' time um, to pick this game. So I'm going to go Vanderbilt, and I'm going to say they, they – as much as I don't want to say this, I think they're going to handle ETSU pretty easily. Uh, I think it'll be probably three touchdowns or more. ETSU is, is good in what they're at, but they're not D1 level, you know, competition against what they're going against, like a team like Vanderbilt. So I'm going to go Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm taking Vandy as well. Um, I, I think it's going to be two touchdowns or less, though. I, I'm just not sold on Vandy. I'm not sold on Clark Lee. We'll see. But then again, just like Michael, we haven't seen him coach a game as a head coach yet here. So, 
We'll see. But I, I'm taking Bandy. I'm taking him by two touchdowns or less. I would give almost anything to see ETSU upset Vanderbilt in week one. That would be – that would be – I mean, that would almost wash away all of the Pruitt stains he's left on my heart over the past years. So, um, I think Vandy's going to take care of business there. Um, you know, just ETSU, like you were saying, they're, they're a good team to watch where they're at, you know, at their level of competition. I just – I don't know if they have enough to really stick around with Vanderbilt. Um, so I'll go Vanderbilt by 24, 24 or more. All right, we move to a closer game here. LSU against UCLA in a Fox primetime game. LSU is three and a half point favorites against UCLA. Um, UCLA, uh, some of us probably uh, tuned in desperate for football. Um, just kind of slaughtered Hawaii 44 to 10. Um, had a, uh, a good rushing game there, over 100 yards. Um, I'm going to say uh, Gold Tigers uh, takes this one. And uh, I'm going to say they cover the spread. I'm going to say it's, it's going to be close, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go LSU and, and the over. I've got LSU with a late touchdown. So, LSU by seven. I agree. I think LSU is going to win that game. I think it's going to be closer than nationally what a lot of people think it will be, uh, given LSU's ranking. And I doubt, just judged on the crowd for that UCLA game, a lot of people actually watched their game against Hawaii, but they were actually really impressive. Um, and, you know, the other aspect of that is LSU, you know, all they're dealing with uh, down there on the bayou with uh, Hurricane Ida. I just... All right. All right. Let's see here. So um, now we've got, um, let's see, our next game here is going to be our Monday night game. Um, and that is going to be uh, Louisville against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is nine and a half point uh, favorites in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Um, I'm going to say uh, Kiffin gets off to a nice start this year. I'm going to say Ole Miss, and they cover the spread. I'm saying Ole Miss as well. Take the over. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Those two offenses, they like to really get vertical. Um I have a, a friend who's a huge Louisville fan, so I'm sure he'll appreciate me picking Lane Kiffin to, to lay the smack down on him in week one. But I just don't know how you would pick against Ole Miss in, uh, in that game. Better quarterback, better coach, in my opinion. Even though Satterfield's a, a – that was a good hire by Louisville. I just think that Ole Miss uh, will, will roll them in the second half. All right, so that finishes our SEC games. Um, that was 14, and, and we're going to make it an even 20. So now we're just going to move to our last six uh, before we end our, our podcast here. Um, so the first one we have is um, a Thursday, another Thursday night game. Um, none of us will be watching that because we'll be watching the balls. Um, but we've got Ohio State against Minnesota. Um, Ohio State is 13 and a half point favorites um we've seen some scary things out of minnesota a little bit with the uh you know what is it row the oar or paddle the oar they always say so 
Um, I, th I think Ohio State handles them. Um, I think they – I'm going to say – I'm going to take the over, but I'm going to go with 14. I'm going to say it's just above the 13 and a half. Uh, Ohio State wins by 14. Well, this one is for all my Ohio State friends out there. What I'm doing here, I am rowing the boat, baby. Give me the bold pick of the week, Minnesota. They've got one of the best running backs I've seen in a while. I think he's going to be pretty electric, and Ole Miss is pretty much restarting on offense again. I mean, not Ole Miss, sorry. Ohio State's restarting on offense again. Granted, they have plenty of five stars to choose from, but I'm going with the experience in Minnesota here. Outside of uh, Clemson, Georgia, I think this this might be the most intriguing uh, matchup of, of week one. Um I still think that Ohio State will handle business. Uh, Minnesota is definitely going to be able to hang in there uh, throughout most of the game with their experience, like Maddie said. But I just think, uh, again, I think a lot of these games in week one, it, it's who who has the better coach, the better quarterback. And, uh, and I think Ohio State has the better coach there. So I'll take them in a close one. All right. We move on to a Friday night game. Um, we have North Carolina. 10th uh, ranked against uh, unranked Virginia Tech. Um, North Carolina is five and a half point favorites. Um, I know for Trey and I being kind of in the Southwest Virginia area, uh, Tech and, and Tennessee are kind of big rivals when it comes to, to choosing their teams because UVA is usually irrelevant in a lot of things and um, nobody cares about Vandy. Um, so, uh, I follow Tech a little bit. Um, right now, they sound a lot like we have. Get rid of Fuente. Um, they're, I mean, he's. I think he's gone at the end of this year. Um, I don't suspect Virginia Tech having a great year. Um, not a horrible year, but, um, you know, they always have trouble with Pitt, who we're playing this year. So, everybody's saying, watch out for Pitt. And I'm like, I know they're not bad, but. You know, they always have text number. Um, I think Mac Brown and UNC is just too much to handle um, for them. Um, we may get to see our, our, our uh, old Vol running back, Ty Chandler, um, there for, for North Carolina. Um, I think they've done solid job recruiting. Uh, Mac Brown is a heck of a coach. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I know we, you know, we kind of hate Texas and, you know, we are the real UT. If it wasn't for us, it would, there would be no Texas. Um, but I think Mac Brown is – and we talk about coaching a lot. I, I don't think Fuente is – I'm sorry if this offends Tech fans. I think he's – I think he's a Pruitt. Um, I think he's in over his head. I, I know he had experience at Memphis before. Um, Tech is not Memphis. Um, I just think he, he doesn't know how to micromanage. He could be a very successful, you know, lower tier coach or an offensive coordinator for a high program. I just don't think he's a great head coach. That's nothing against Tech, but I think Tech fans would agree me with me. I'm going to take UNC. I'm going to say it's not close. I really am. I'm going to say it's a three touchdown victory for North Carolina. I think they blow them out of the water. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be very close at all. UNC has looked really good to me. Last year, they finished the season strong. Matt Brown, like you said, heck of a coach. One of my favorite coaches to watch when I was younger. Seeing what he did at Texas, phenomenal. 
and he's he's made UNC actually something to where people in North Carolina aren't just looking to go to hey Tennessee, Florida State, Clemson. They're actually giving them a, a look for once, and I, I really like that. I've heard Ty Chandler had a great spring. I hope he has a great game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have another friend, obviously, who's a he's a Virginia Tech graduate, and he. Uh, he told me last season, I won't I won't name his name, um, but he told me last season that he would rather have Butch Jones. Oh, God. That's how you know it's bad. I was like, oh, man, that's, oh, that's, that's rough. I was like, I feel for you, man. Been there, done that. Glad we got rid of ours. But Sam Howell and Mike Brown, along with all the other talent uh, that North Carolina has brought in and sustained uh, since Mac got there, I think it's just going to be way too much, even even uh, in a rowdy crowd. Um, I also, for all you sports betters out there, Sam Howell, in my opinion, has the best odds to win the Heisman. I think he has the fourth best odds. But if you look at it, um, North Carolina really has the best schedule out of uh, all the Heisman, uh, you know, favorites. They have the easiest schedule and um, – really the easiest conference out of those guys, other than obviously Clemson's quarterback, but they're in the same conference. So, so there you go. Taking North Carolina probably by, I'll say 17. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, another pretty big game, of top top 20 teams, Penn State against Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin is four and a half point favorites. Um, for some reason, Penn State seems to uh, – get a lot of those 12 o'clock Fox games. Um, it just seems like to me, um, part of me wants to pick Penn state, but I'm going to go with Wisconsin, um, for two reasons. One is it is not at Penn state. I love the balls tradition. I think right up there is, is the all white. I mean, it's a sick thing to watch. I would love to be a part of it. Um, we've got a, a local kid, I think from Richlands, who's their kicker. Um, uh, I guess he's starting for him this year if he's if he's you know there at Penn State. I haven't don't really follow special teams at other schools much. Don't even at our school very much either. But um, uh, I think that's the first reason is is it's not at home. It's at Wisconsin, and uh, it's a day game. I think I can add that in as a second. And the third would be um, I'm blocked on Twitter by James Franklin um, for some comments that I said when he was the Vanderbilt coach. Um, I did not tweet out the inappropriate pictures that people edited of James Franklin, um, but I did say uh, something negative to him um, on Twitter a while back. And so um, since he did that, um, we're going with Wisconsin. And <laughs> Wisconsin, four and a half, I'll say they cover by touchdown. I agree. I, th I think Wisconsin, I think they cover. Madison, Wisconsin is an insane environment. And putting them at a 12 o'clock kickoff, everybody in that stadium is going to be blackout drunk by 9 o'clock. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, I watched a lot of Wisconsin last year. I don't know if it's just because, like you guys are saying, they play at noon all the time or, or what it is. But it seems like every Wisconsin game that was on last season I, I watched. Um, but they got some big, big boys on offense and defense up front uh, and at their skill positions. They're tall. They're strong. I mean, they just – they're, you know, when that when that ball snap, like, it's just 
it's crazy. Like it's almost like they're built like an old school SEC team. Um, but yeah, I think that's what's going to end up pulling it out for them late in the game. They're just going to have too much uh, for Penn State to handle. You know, th- those runs are really going to add up on those linebackers and uh, that D line. And I think Penn, uh, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. I think they win by touchdown as well. All right, getting down to just a few games left. Uh, the next one is an, another top 20 matchup. We've got Indiana uh, headed to Iowa, 17 versus 18. Iowa is a three-point favorite. It is a 330 uh, Saturday game. Um, we've seen both of these teams in recent years in, in bowl games, um, them against each other. Um, it, I don't know if it's going to be a very exciting game. Um, it's two teams who uh, know what they want to do and they're going to stick to it. Um, as much as I want to go with Iowa as the favorite and their awesome tradition of you know, waving up to the children's hospital window, I think Indiana rolls in and, and takes it. Um, so I'm going to pick Indiana in a small little upset against Iowa. Um, I, I'm going Iowa. I just, I really have always liked watching that program and just their linemen are massive and they're all farm dudes. And I love that for them. So give me Iowa. So I'll be honest. I don't, I don't really know a lot about either of these teams, what they have returning. I know that I had some controversy, uh, over the off season and, and before last season, actually with their, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Not really sure how that played out, but um, I'm taking Iowa for two reasons. One, shout out uh, Coach Pfizer, my wrestling coach. He graduated from Iowa. And uh, two, the Children's Hospital uh, pregame celebration. That's just really, really cool. So I'll take them in a close one. All right, moving on to another top 25 matchup. We've got Louisiana, 23rd ranked. I might surprise some people that they're they're there, the Raging Cajuns, facing off against 21 Texas. Uh, Texas is an eight-point favorite. Um, it is at Texas. It's a 430 game. Um, I'm going to go, as much as I hate to, I'm going to go with the fake UT, and I'm going to say that they do cover and win by 13. Yeah, I, I unfortunately have to pick Texas as well. Just they're at home. I really want to see what Sark's going to do because we've the third program, a lot of question marks. We have no idea what's going to happen with them. So I'm going with Texas. So I'm also going to go with Texas, but maybe something uh, to keep your eye on if if fans are normally in the in the right on their uh, you know their opinions. A lot of Texas fans are mad uh, that. Texas actually just recently named Hudson Card as their starting quarterback, and they are mad online. They did not like that he was named their starting quarterback. So I don't know if that's any indication for anything at all, but um, I guess, you know, that's that's what they – that's why they play the game. So maybe something to keep an eye on in that week one matchup against Louisiana Lafayette. All right, and it brings us to our final game. Um, it's going to be on Sunday night at uh, September 5th. It's going to be at 7.30, and that is uh, Notre Dame, ninth ranked uh, against Florida State. Notre Dame is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, we have talked a little bit before this about fake Notre Dame, and I'm sure Maddie will go into detail about that and her uh, hatred of, of Notre Dame. 
Um, I think any SEC fan should be able to to agree with that, to get in and, and not play much of anybody except one team, and usually that's the team you lose to. Um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame wins. I'm just – Florida State is not Florida State that we know them as. Um, you know, not Florida State of, you know, the 2000s or the – you know, when we, you know – right down the field, peerless priced them. Um, but I'm going to go Notre Dame and say they cover and they win by two touchdowns. Yeah, um, like you were saying about my hatred for Notre Dame, let me just kind of go off on my tangent real quick. Dad, this is for you. I do not agree with them being put in the playoff or even put in contention to – like, why, why are they even in the discussion every year? Who do they play? They play a USC program that's not USC anymore. They play what Dad calls the Armed Forces Conference, which is the Army, Navy, Air Force of the world. I mean, if, if Tennessee was in that same boat and they were independent, we would be there every year. And we're not the best program right now, but, I mean, we would be able to win the same amount of games as them. So I think that in order to be put in the playoff, you should play in a conference. I think that the NCAA should just lay down that rule and say, look, this is, it's not fair. Because if Notre Dame wanted to do this every year, they can rig their schedule just enough. And that's why we've seen them. I'm sick of it. It's annoying. And they always get blown out no matter who they play. So they don't belong. Um, but unfortunately, I have to pick them. Uh, I wish I could say that it's going to be close. I just – I don't think Mike Norvell's the guy at Florida State. I, I've never been a fan of him, never been too big on him. Just don't think he's he's running that program where it needs to go. So, Notre Dame. So, maybe the most interesting thing about that game, to me anyways, is uh, Florida State's quarterbacks and their names. You got Chubba Purdy. Tate Roadmaker and McKenzie Milton. Those are some pretty good quarterback names. Um, so, but McKenzie Milton, you know, he's transferring up from uh, UCF um, to Florida State. So that might be kind of intriguing. Something about that, you know, just one little nugget on that game that might be uh, kind of cool to keep your eye on. Um, see how he does under Mike Norvell. But I got to take Notre Dame in a close one. Not a big fan of them. Don't think they deserve any recognition that they get nowadays. But, you know, it is what it is. Make them join a conference and then we'll talk. Um, but, yeah, I'll take Notre Dame. All right. Well, we will uh, check these next week. We, uh, we might have a few games uh, that happen after. Um, we'd like to thank Maddie for the awesome board. Um, and, and being our, our Vanna White um, for this, but we will uh, we'll check those out next week, and we'll uh, throughout the week we'll talk about the games we want to do um, in week two, and I'm sure that'll kind of we'll have an idea now, but that'll change throughout the year as we get some teams in the top 25 that shouldn't be, or some teams that we thought were going to be good that aren't. Um, but as we leave, we we thank you guys for joining us um, for our first podcast. Um, I'm going to let each one kind of give a closing thought if they want to. Um, I would like to say, uh, we mentioned it earlier with the uh, hurricane, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that's affected by that. Um, you know, hopefully we can uh, find together and, and uh, reports where it could be as bad as Katrina. I think it's today's the, today or yesterday was the 16th anniversary of Katrina. So we hope that this one is not as bad and devastating. Um, 
And uh, we also want to mention that, you know, the, the flooding that happened in Tennessee. Uh, I put something on Twitter earlier this week. If, uh, you know, if we can get the word out and, and um, find you any help or anything like that, if you've lost your home or lost anything, we'll try to see. Uh, we know Ball Nation, Ball Twitter is a powerful thing. Um, you know, we can try to get a GoFundMe. We can try to help out if you've been affected by that. And uh, lastly, um, you know, we, we've had some people in our group chats, uh, former Marines, former Armed Forces. Um, we've had a tough week with that. Um, lost one of Knoxville's own. Um, and uh, it's, it's been a tough week for, um, for our country and a tough week for those who have served. And, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the families and, and friends and communities of those affected. Um, and uh, we, we will always uh, be a proud uh, Vol Nation will be proud of those who serve and, and, and those who, who can further and, and help our country, no matter who's in office. Um, we promise not to get political or anything on here, but I think we can all agree that um, those families definitely uh, definitely need our thoughts and prayers. So um, as we leave, is there anything else you guys want to add? Anything you want to say? Um, just make sure the next time you see a service member, thank them for all that they do because they, they really do love this country. And I know that I saw something kind of negative on Twitter where someone had said something about, oh, well, they signed up for war. They knew that this could happen. Not necessarily the way they went out. So just pray for all those families involved directly and all service members. Because like you said, one thing that John was saying in our group chat was it feels like he lost family members. So I, I can't imagine what their families are going through. So just God be with them. God be with America and go balls. So I'd like to add, let's, let's try not to tie, um, you know, one tragedy to another. Um, I've seen some people trying to connect, you know, uh, posting about what's going on in Afghanistan, but also maybe having a certain view on COVID and maybe you're not allowed to view one thing one way. If you view another a different, and I just, as a, you know, as a community, as a country, as, as uh, fellow volunteers, I just think we need to try to not, you know, try to let everyone have a voice and an opinion on things and, and maybe feel the way they do and, and be able to voice those if they're hurting, you know, and just kind of try to stand with everybody who uh, who's feeling some type of way about many of the things that are going on in this country currently. And uh, yeah, other than that, if you have tickets, you're, you're able to make the trip up to Knoxville, uh, show up, be loud and, and go Vols. If you're listening to us uh, and you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Sawyer is uh, Sawyer T, that's T-E-E, -E, like the quarterback Smith, Sawyer T. Smith on Twitter. Um, and Maddie's is uh, Can't Guard Mads, M-A-D-D-S, um, all together, lowercase. Um, and uh, my account is the Sideline Tennessee account. That is at SSN underscore Tennessee. Um, we'd love to interact with you. Give us comments. Um, you know, don't pull balls picks and hate on us. We're just ball fans who have been, we've talked about it. We've been ball fans all of our life and um, we're just passionate about it. We know there's things we're going to get incorrect. We know there's things that are, we're going to say that people are going to say that's not right. Um, you know, be nice, reach out, hit us up, let us know what you want to hear about, what you like and don't like. And, uh, uh, this is for you all. This is just us getting together. We would probably do this even if we didn't post it um, just to get to talk. And um, I've had a great time. And I'm sure they have as well. Um, we will let you know on Twitter um, what uh, on, on the sidelines account, um, what different places this will be on. So uh, make sure you're out there and looking for that, whichever way you listen or watch. 
Uh, we'll be there on your on your phones, tablets, TVs, whatever, uh, for as long as you're welcome us. We thank you guys and go boss.